Hello and welcome back to Something Rotten. This is Season 5, Episode 4. Blake and I have finished Call of Duty World at War. Uh, in fact, I think we both won. We won the wars. I won World War Two. Go me. And everything was very cool and there was nothing to think about uh, within it. No, I don't. I don't know, Jacob. The end of this game uh, leaves you with twelve words, much to ponder. Here's the thing. Yeah, I feel like almost every episode of this show or every like game. Yeah. In the first, in the first part, I've been like, I don't know about this, and in the second part, I'm like, I don't know. I think I know about this. Okay. Kind of on the same track this time. Last last week, we had uh, esteemed guests Reed mm-hmm. and Ed on, mm-hmm. who I thought had a lot to say. Uh, that was super smart, uh, but also I think came, were pretty, you know, for good reason, uh, hard on this game. Sure. And I think this week I saw, I saw more what people like about the story. Mm. I think, uh, and I am, I am excited to talk about that. How about you? Just overall thoughts. I agree. I think the back half of this game is infinitely more interesting than the front half, which I did enjoy. Uh, I will say, though, it does have one level that I would consider the worst of nearly any game we've played. And and, and just in terms of, like, playing the actual game? Yes. I There mm-hmm. was one level. Uh, we'll get to it. It's, it's It was about halfway through what we played for this episode. Um, I would say it's probably not an exaggeration to say it took me between 15 and 20 tries. I, I was, like... I was a swearing at this game in a way that I do not often do while playing games. You know, it's like yeah. I played Dark Souls or whatever. I don't get like tilted. And I was like, like in some of these missions, I was like, fuck you. Like I was just like yelling at my computer. <laughs> so, yeah. What what difficulty were you playing on? Just just normal. Same, same. Yeah, there is one. I, I'll be curious to see if we had the same issues. But man, I I fought the temptation, but I did almost go to YouTube and type in World at War playthrough. But I didn't. I played the whole thing myself. Can you not? I guess this is maybe too early to be able to switch difficulties like mid-campaign. You cannot switch because I tried. Because it was like, there was just a point. Like, it was never like a skill issue. It was just like the Mm -hmm. game was throwing some bullshit-ass 2010 game shit at me and killing me. Where I was like, dude, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Anyway, we're jumping the gun. I mean, genuinely, look, games have gotten better in some ways, worse in others, uh, but thank God that almost every game will just let you adjust the difficulty, like, at any time now. Yeah. So, so you, you, you sound hotter than maybe you were last episode, or at least hotter than I, myself, I, I read and Ed were. So, talk me through this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think last Last episode, one of the things that we talked about was kind of, like, what is it doing with these kind of themes that it is invoking? Mm-hmm. And also the sense of, like, does the game have a plot that is not just, <laughs> yeah. like, there is a war? Um, and I think, uh, you know, generally, I stayed where I was last week, which is, I think the Soviet stuff is just way more interesting than mm-hmm. the uh, kind of Pacific Front stuff. Um, and just, like, the end of the Soviet campaign, I was, like, pretty compelled by, and I also think there is some, there is some interesting Call of Duty politics going on there, but, like, in general, I was just, like, I see, 
I see like the point they wanted to hit. Sure. I think, and and I thought that was really neat. I so we we talked about this a little bit in the first half of the game, where this is just a an angrier Call of Duty, especially in the Soviet oh, stuff. Boy. Like the, yeah. the the Soviet missions open just out for blood. Uh, mm-hmm. That somehow goes through the fucking roof in the back half of this game. Like it is vicious the the and and i'm of uh, i think maybe of two minds on a what they're trying to say and b the actual landing of it um but even the the pacific missions by the end the americans are kind of bloodthirsty in a way that was not super prevalent in the first half like this game is dripping with poison at times yeah 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 and i think i the i mean it's like I kind of want to talk through. I just want to start talking through the levels actually, okay. because I think that I don't. I don't want to kind of give my big thesis okay. or whatever right up front because I think we'll kind of get there naturally. Um, uh, the first mission that we played was Blood and Iron, which is uh, I would say a pretty not good. This is the tank mission. It has the potential to be fun. There's a lot of good power fantasy stuff in it where you're blowing up towers and you got a flamethrower. I realize this sounds just like I'm a psychopath. I mean, here's here's the thing about video games. When there's like a big tower and you can shoot it with a yeah. gun and then it blows up, that's good. <laughs> you can't deny it. On the other hand, I didn't know World War II had homing missiles and enemy tanks <laughs> were equipped with them at all times. It's really, yeah, I feel like the... The impression you get, and I think the impression you're supposed to get through basically all of the back half of the Soviet levels mm-hmm. are like they are steamrolling. You know that that the Germans have effectively lost, and and the Soviets are just like just just leaving you know like burnt nothing in their wake. And I yeah. believe that's kind of the idea here is like you're driving the tank, but. There are just too many other tanks. <laughs> yeah. Like, like what it, it, what the level feels like is like a normal Call of Duty level. And if you just replaced the guy you play as with a tank, where it doesn't really feel like you're doing tank specific stuff, you're still just like peeking around corners and like trying to like take pot shots at guys. Yeah, trying to exploit like the architecture of the, or the geometry of the level so that you can shoot someone, but they can't shoot you back. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, I did like the point, it, it classic Call of Duty moment, but again, I think it works thematically a little better here, of when you're um, uh, you're rolling over, you're kind of about to get screwed, and then there's a big wave of, like, Air Force that comes in yeah. and just blows everything up. You know, they, like, I feel like at, those moments are always supposed to invoke the kind of, like, oh, it's hopeless, what are we gonna do? Thank God! The, the, the planes are here dropping bombs! But, yeah. like... You know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if COD two had a tank level. I've yeah. You know, because COD four certainly didn't have any vehicles, and then they have other than the AC one thirty, and then there's yeah. been kind of more driving introduced, but it is you know, it is an interesting thing of like especially in a in a future level, there is so much uh effort put towards reminding you like hey you're a guy in a machine Mm -hmm. and in this it is kind of i i would say a little disappointing that it's just like you're a tank and not like you're a guy driving a tank just like does that make sense so uh yeah I've, i've looked it up um the intrepid reporters at fandom 
uh, have mm-hmm. detailed the wiki of uh, every tank in the Call of Duty series. And tanks did appear, at least in Call of Duty 2 and 3, though uh, it's unclear whether or not you could drive them. Though I have learned uh, they did have... Yeah, I mean, there are tanks in, in COD 4 if you can't yeah, drive them. Yeah, one of the interesting things, though, uh, they had randomly generated names. Oh. There you go. Well, I feel like that that's still true of, like, you know, your privates here. It's almost yeah. like the Yakuza games, you know, yeah. where it's like you're fighting a random dude on the street, and it's like, sorry, dude, <laughs> your name is Rio. You're going through the fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, they should have named all the enemies, like, uh, the RGG games. Well, I guess also Naughty <laughs> yeah. Dog does that. You know, Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog made such a big fucking deal about, like, oh, your enemies have names now. And it's like, Yakuza 1 did that in, like, 2005. Uh, you yeah, creatively bankrupt assholes um so so then the next level is um you kind of you get out of your tank you are now going like building to building uh shooting more germans uh there there are a couple interesting things about this one it is returning to just the theme that we talked about last week of like it shit is just ruined Mm -hmm. you know like like you are just seeing things in absolute disrepair um but then you go into you go into an asylum, which is maybe just like a fun place for them to set a level. But I did think was like, oh, huh, you know, <laughs> this is interesting. Who is the leader of the Soviets? What's his name? Uh, Reznov, right? Reznov. Okay, now look, you are not gonna catch me sympathizing with Nazis, real or digital. But at what point are we gonna talk about the fact that Reznov is a war criminal and a terrorist? Well, so this is, I mean. This this is what I think, this is what I think the game is doing, and I, mm-hmm. I um I, we can we can bring it up now, and then it gets more clear through uh through other things. Yeah, I think the point that this game wants to make is winning a war can be scary. You know, like like sure. that that the that even though we know the Nazis are the baddest guys in history. Mm-hmm. the the kind of emotion of of taking over your enemies and and you know like wrecking house and doing it for uh, you know a just cause uh can in itself be a kind of terrifying thing um yeah but i think the reason why it's the reason why call of duty can do this is because i think they're basically counting on us understanding us as like the normal call of duty players that like the soviets become the bad guys yeah <laughs> you know like the the average the average call of duty player uh their dad told them hey you know what son communists are terrible and they see that hammer and sickle and they're like i well i know these guys i might they might be good now but they're going to be bad later <laughs> yeah and so i feel like it's able to give this kind of like you can show the you know the winners doing war crimes uh basically mm-hmm. and and it's able to be a commentary on how winners do bad things but it's okay because you're not playing as the american military you know yeah so so like i i think i was thinking a similar thread playing especially through this back half and honestly it's a lot of the call of duty in justify the means get our hands dirty to keep the world's clean type shit i didn't mean to make that rhyme but it worked out that way um and you know this game does take steps to i don't want to say humanize the nazis but Show oh, I think th- you can say that. Okay, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. There's show, a couple... show them, like, suffering. Show them yeah. kind of in pain. 
And, and, and fear. I mean, there's a point where you can make the decision to kill a group of four Nazis or not. And the outcome of that is very interesting. If you decide to not shoot, the, shoot them, uh, someone else will mm-hmm. just throw a Molotov cocktail onto them and burn them alive. I don't yep. think it gives the same consideration to the Japanese army, which I, I would totally say agree. across the board. And look, I'm not going to act like Japan was innocent in World War II. Obviously, everyone was committing some war crimes and atrocities back then. But I do think they are painted as just like savages in a way that the Nazis yeah like animalistic are, yeah in a way that Nazis are not in the game I don't I don't want to say mm-hmm. it's sympathetic towards them but you get what I'm saying like it has a different lens yeah. towards those people so with all that said like I think the game is trying to say like hey you know everyone was doing some bad shit but on the other hand, the good guys won. The Americans did the right thing, right? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, that seems like two disparate ideas we're talking about here. Like, do I just blindly agree that, like, it's good that we dropped an A-bomb on Japan and, like, ended the war, even though a lot of bad shit happened? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I think it's also the flaw of just war philosophically. Like, it, Call of Duty isn't going to answer that problem, but right. Well, I, but I think I think that it can actually get closer to not answering it, which yeah. is I think maybe the correct stance to have. Yeah. When it is not talking about uh, like Americans or British or people that the player is naturally going to align themselves with, yeah. because it's like you know in. In COD, in Modern Warfare, both the old one and the new one, we see Price do some fucked up shit, but we're like, hey man, I'm him. Like, even even if I'm American and he's British, like, I get that we are on the same team. Mm-hmm. And I think that by making it, you know, like, putting such a heavy focus on, like, you are playing as Soviets, you know, like, you yeah. are playing as these people who you probably in your everyday life do not think of yourself as on the same team as yeah it it can you know it, it can kind of be like are they going too far in a way that they're never able to convincingly sell when you're playing as american troops yeah you know yeah and i think like maybe one part of that like to lending credit to your point is like uh Reznov is largely just shouting propaganda at his soldiers the whole time you know in a way that the americans are not like you're fighting for mother usa or whatever like he's constantly talking Mm -hmm. about like you're fighting for the motherland it's an honor to do this it's an honor to die for your country like he's spouting a lot of uh as far as i see it bullshit for any country to spew it's like you know yeah you have earned the right to die at 19 for your country like i think that sucks Mm -hmm. obviously it's not an original take but um i think that lends like credence to your point of just like Hey, you know, like we all, if you're an American, you probably don't have a great view of these dudes these days, you know, like it's interesting. I also, there is an kind of a, I don't know if dissonance is the right word, but it, playing this in 2023, the last act being waving the, putting the Russian flag up was kind of interesting as like a. Well, but yeah, I think, I think that's totally supposed to be, sure, you know, like yeah. I, I think that, you know, it's not, we don't feel differently about about the Soviet Union in 2023 than in 2010 necessarily. Yeah. So I think I think you are supposed to you know we're skipping way ahead. This is the last thing that you do in the game essentially. But you get on top of the Reichstag and you you tear down the Nazi flag and you're like fuck yeah and then you put up the the communist flag, you know, the the yeah. Soviet the Soviet Union one because that's not 
you know, they're not defined by whatever. Mm. But, you know, I think I think the moment that a player is supposed to experience there is like, oh, you know, like <laughs> that not, you know, not like we did it planting the American flag, but like we defeated an evil. But oh, my gosh, are we another evil? And and again, I they can't do that with America. So they are doing it with the Soviet Union. They should do it with America. <laughs> Yes, I know. I agree. (laughs) The final cutscene of this game is the actual footage of the, you know, I don't know if it's big boy or little man or, you know, whatever the name. I don't know which explosion Mm -hmm. it is they use the footage from, but you see the Enola Gay, you see all that. And it's basically like, we did that. All right, here's the credits. And it's like, hey, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, we we should maybe, we should have maybe put this two levels before and had a moment to talk about this a-bomb like it does feel like it just like goes yeah, straight to the, the credits and it is interesting but but the last thing that it says before the credits is just 60 million people died right which i do think is a pretty like th- i don't think this game ends gung-ho yeah. all. which which i was impressed by maybe a low bar but just ending and being like hey you want to know what happened in world war ii 60 million people died i agree i don't think it's like a triumphant view for the americans but i Mm -hmm. do think there's some amount of hand washing there where it's like for sure it's like hey you know we dropped that bomb a lot of people died anyway here's some guitar tracks over the credits and it's like "Ah, Mm -hmm. i just think you need to hang on that for one more level you know yeah yeah because i think you know generally talking about the two the two like bits of the campaign here i think we are supposed to think about the the soviets and the japanese being essentially two sides of the same coin in Mm. that they are both fairly fanatical and willing to do pretty messed up shit to win that's you know that yeah this um, is a fault of mine i didn't really even consider that but that's that's really fascinating i think but i mean i think it goes with with your interpretation of like it's an angry game Mm -hmm. it's like who are the angriest people in it yeah it is it is the soviets and the japanese and and so i do think that there is you know we're we're supposed to think about those as like Hey, you know, you, it, it it really, it like, it takes some walking, but you can kind of see a world in which the game is empathizing with the Japanese fighters because it's, you know, it's kind of saying like, hey, think about what it feels like to play as the Soviets here. Yeah. You know, this guy is yelling propaganda at you and you are killing surrendering soldiers and you understand that it is for a good cause, maybe. And so, if that's true, why wouldn't you feel the same way if you're, you know, doing kamikaze, you know, like, runs on a ship or whatever? Yeah. Like, I think I, I think that is where the thread of anger is going. But that's, it's kind of, like, the weird part there is, like, well, then what are the Americans in that equation? Are they're just like a neutral good because we know that that's not true in world history, but it's certainly, you know, like in World War II and through the Call of Duty perspective, the Americans are kind of just like, well, they're they're the ones who are like going to do the right thing and clean things up. Yeah, but like to your point, like America entered World War II just initially on like a revenge mission. 
right? Like they weren't stepping in until Pearl Harbor. Yeah, you know, it, this is this is one of those kind of like historical things that I feel like I'm just not sure well versed enough in, you know, and it's like I'm sure that there were in when America entered combat, they were also posing it as, you know, we are opposing a great evil which they were i'm not not saying they <laughs> yeah. weren't but um but yeah the question of like well you weren't doing it until you personally were attacked so it is it does feel you know revengey but in this game i think up until basically the very last american mission they don't seem angry and they don't seem motivated by revenge they seem purely kind of good in a way that uh the soviets do not there's some interesting stuff in the interstitial cutscenes, the, the effectively the loading screens for this game uh-huh where they get into the fatigue and exhaustion of the american mm-hmm. soldiers that the game never does anything mechanically interesting with which i think is unfortunate but i do like the brief exploration of you know there's like a splash screen that's like thousand yard stare people are getting bit by mosquitoes and everything like you do play a level in Okinawa that is, like, raining constantly. That's kind of interesting. But um, mm-hmm. there's some interesting stuff there. I just think the game is not interested in tackling mechanically beyond those cutscenes. I think it's, it is related to what Ed said in that, like, the in the previous episode about, like, the, the shooting feels kind of, like, limp in this game, I think, because it's supposed to be so snappy. And because yeah. it's so snappy, then you always feel like a superman even yeah. when you're being told i i've been in the trench for months or whatever this is this is um, a, this is a dumb aside but there's one gun i think it's a, only in the soviet levels it's it's an assault rifle that sounds like someone just hitting a empty soda can it's one of the worst sounds i've ever heard in a video game uh-huh. <laughs> oh terrible. i know exactly the one you're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's like ping, 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 what did and you it's all like, even try on this one i i believe that that is you know like gun sounds for games are so it's such an interesting yeah. part because i believe that they went out and recorded you know gun footage like right. i don't think that they're just making that up wholesale but maybe just how low they've mixed them or mm-hmm. maybe kind of like removing the base or whatever yeah it just feels like you're holding a toy it's very weird um let's talk about the pacific theater a little bit you you play a mission on a gunny gunner machine i don't know what you call this did you like this uh can i can i make a statement uh one of my favorite turret levels in basically any game i can think of wow like i mean mostly i think turret sequences are bad so it's not that high of a bar but i was really impressed by this level hold on didn't you play gears of war 5 yeah what's the turret sequence in that well you set up the turrets on the like tower defense parts and those are always really fun you got the hordes coming in it's really good oh i think that's actually that's gears 4 uh whoops, 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 whoops. because i never i didn't play horde mode um uh, okay. which which i should have let's download that game i will literally do it tonight anyway um i think this is the coolest mission in the game to your point i mm-hmm. think it's so cool that the, it's basically like hey bro you gotta run between four different guns throughout this level yeah so so you're on um one of one of the the b ships either a b17 or a b24 or something but one of these like essentially a proto ac-130 right because it's a it's a it's an aircraft that has 
four different turret positions and kind of a couple different kinds of guns on them. And for whatever reason, you're the only gunner on this ship. And so you are... I mean, at the beginning, you're just kind of flying home, right? Like, it doesn't feel like you're ready to to enter combat. Yeah. Um, but it starts with you um, in the air, and you are shooting down at uh, Japanese ships in the water. Um, and then, eventually, things go to shit. Your aircraft is grounded, and you are firing then both at boats and at, at, at zeros, at Japanese aircraft that are flying all over the place. But, and this is what I was talking about, the tank, the the physicalization of the turret is just, I, I like, it is really, really cool in a mm-hmm. way that I feel like I haven't seen before. Yeah, uh, this is a small, dumb guy detail. I like that there's uh, pinups all across the plane above where the guys are stationed. <laughs> I think that's a fun touch. Hey, I mean, we've we've seen those. Yeah, but talk talk about like the the act of you know switching positions here. Yeah, I mean, every so often I'll be like, hey, press F. You need to go to a different gunner. You'll have the dudes yell and it's like, oh, you know, there 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 are planes or there's boats to the right or left, and you have to physically move over there, which is effectively just a one button press, and your guy automatically walks over there but it is like this cool dynamic level of like you know you're constantly switching your perspective from straight ahead down below to the right to the left the plane is up in the sky at one point then it lands in the water to you know provide support that way and you start trying to pick up you know your your friendlies that have been cast from their ships like the game is or the level is throwing like a ton of different things at you and never standing still yeah which i think is kind of a problem in this game is like it's too easy to stand in one spot and kill like literally 40 dudes this level is constantly making you move uh-huh. and giving you new objectives and giving you new targets that's like very dynamic and fun even though it is kind of effectively on rails yeah and, and i think part of Part of the switching position thing is like one, it's so effectively mm-hmm. mocapped. You know, I really like when like a character steps through a door and you can see them like putting their hand on the door in yeah, front of you. Yeah. It's like it feels like you have more of a body here than in even like the missions where you're freely running around. Mm-hmm. You know, Call of Duty is never a series where you've been able to like look down and see your legs. Yeah. Uh, but but here you can. And it also like it makes you understand the plane that you're on so well. Whereas like in the AC-130, you were just kind of looking at a laptop screen. And so it's like, I don't know what the inside of that plane actually looks or feels like. But in here, it's like when you go to that front gunner seat and you're fucking just like crammed in between the two pilots and you think about like how tight and how hot that that seat would have been. And, you know, it's like, I know even with the the little that I know about World War II, the, the, you know, people in these turrets, I think, were just like, here's hell, you know? Like, here <laughs> yeah. you go. This is this is so uncomfortable to be in. Um, and then, yeah, in the second half, just, like, absolute chaos breaks out, where you are shooting at planes and boats, and you are trying to help people into the aircraft, and, yeah. like, everyone is screaming. Just like is like like a kind of cacophony that 
it, it, even in a game as loud as this, I was like, oh my god, where it's just like, there are just like 12 people yelling different things at all times. Well, and crucially, compared to turret sections of other games, which are just like a fucking power trip, like, you feel like you're fighting a losing fight. Like, mm-hmm. like you literally run out of bullets at one point, and that is the end of the level, yeah. and then, you know, everything's fine. But, um, like, it doesn't feel like you are, you know, Kid Rock, American Badass in this situation. It feels like you are always five seconds from death, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. It's really, um, you, you know, the new... Wolfenstein The New Order starts with a... Um, a, a gunner section mm. similar to this yeah. but like as much as i think that is a way better game than this it's like it's not as effective and you don't feel as as there you know just this is i feel like this is a point where you see kind of the cod money yeah. and production value actually producing really effective results of just like damn i do feel like i am in that plane and that plane sucks you know, like, I do not want to be here. Yeah. Are the... Have we talked about this before? Are the Woofy games rotten games? I think... I and Not necessarily by, you know, by our definition, because they have, they have like, too much heart. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, there is a lot of thinking about violence in those games. So I, you know, I think I think at some point they should, we'll they should go on. We'll add it to the list. Um so so you save the day. Well, actually, someone saves your ass by the end of this level. Yep. And then you go to Okinawa, which, you know, one of the southernmost islands of Japan, if not the southernmost mm-hmm. main island. Anyway, uh, and Jacob, this is the goddamn level that uh, I, man, it's, I think there's a lot going on in this level that makes it uh, bad <laughs> visually and mechanically. The first is, you know, there, there's there's the cool idea that it is just, I don't know, maybe it's fucking typhoon season, you know, in the uh, in the Pacific here. So it's just storming and raining. There's a cutscene that talks about, like, you know, our guys are just, like, so downtrodden, quite literally, by this rain. It's really taking its toll. So you play a level that is completely gray and raining, but it's a game from, I don't know, 2010, 2011. So everything has that Gears of War sheen to it that's just shiny yeah. for no reason. Makes it impossible to see. Uh, it's dark. The enemies are in grass you can't see past, which means a lot of this level is firing at things you can't see that also uh, feel like they are all clones of John Wick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's annoying. Dudes are popping out of the ground at all times. And this is the worst defender of the grenade issue that I talked about last episode where they will throw a grenade and the indicator does a terrible job of telling you how far or close you are to it, uh, whether it's going to kill you or not. I, I had some grenades kill me with no indicator on the screen, yeah. and I got stuck in the opening five minutes of this level for about 30 to 40 minutes. Did you have any trouble with it? I, so I didn't talk about this last week. I, um, at some point when I was a kid, or, you know, when I was a teen playing through the Call of Duties, I started this campaign and I remembered that I didn't finish it, but I didn't mm-hmm. remember where, like where I got to. Yeah. And then I got to this level and I was like, this is the one that made me quit the game. Like, like truly, it was, I was like, oh, this is exactly where I stopped. It is fucking infuriating. I mean, like, it, it's hard because the game is hard. The difficulty is exacerbated by, like, just really bad choices. Like, just not giving you 
clear sight lines on most of the enemies in this opening section. The part immediately after this has you hunkered down by uh, two MGs that are effectively monster closets. Like, you cannot kill them. Someone will always respawn and take the MG. But you also have to fight through a trench at the same time. So I had to crawl my way through it with a flamethrower. And you could all argue this is maybe realistic. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh-huh. But realis- realism does not always equal fun. <laughs> and I'm playing a video game. It, it is that hard... It's that hard line to walk where I think people are going to be listening to this and thinking like, hey, you were complaining about how they were not communicating, you know, the soldiers, whatever, enough. Mm -hmm. Here it is, the misery of war. And it's like, fair point. Fair. But, you know, this, for, for it to kind of introduce this in like the 11th level of the game does not feel like it is now making a commentary on the war which has presumably been miserable the whole time um, you know it, it and i'd also say like the the berlin levels after this effectively communicate the misery of war and much more fun levels <laughs> like those yeah levels, yeah so I, I thought were way more narratively effective than this one which i just yeah. thought was bullshit yeah so it's like look if you're if you want to write an essay about about this level you know and how it how it's good and how it does it like good i think blake's description of crawling through a trench with a flamethrower sounds pretty cool listening to it but it's like oh man they're i feel like they're they could have got the same feelings without just being like well i guess i'm starting over again the the endlessly respawning enemies which is something that the series has mostly done away with um yeah it it just sucks man because you don't know what you're supposed to do you don't know if you're supposed to like sit there until they stop coming or if you're supposed to like push forward anyway and pushing forward is such a gamble in this game because the goddamn grenades that Mm -hmm. it's like i just found myself fighting some some arenas i'll be like i guess i'm just here for 10 minutes fuck it like yeah clicking on heads feels engaging enough that i'm not going to be like bored to tears by a lot of them that i would just Mm -hmm. fight through 10 minutes of guys running to the exact same locations but the the mgs i just couldn't do it like because the the ai in this game i think is largely pretty dog shit yeah like you will have enemies that just stand there and don't fire anyone you will have friendlies that will stand in front of an enemy firing directly at you Mm -hmm. and not shoot them and the mgs are programmed as such that like every shot hits only you and so if you can't yeah. <laughs> actually kill them and get rid of them, but you have other enemies to the right of you, so you have, you know, MGs way far on the horizon and the dudes in your immediate that are throwing grenades and shooting at you, like, it becomes this, like, unwinnable battle where it's like, what do I focus on? You are not telling me, the like, as the player, I need more information to understand who I should be targeting. Because if the MGs are just going to respawn, I should forget about them. But it also puts me in a space where I can't move to engage with the other enemies. So I'm just kind of stuck in this four foot yeah. place screaming yeah. at my computer. And and this is also a level where you have to throw essentially uh, C4. You have to throw satchel charges oh my God. into bunkers and blow them up. But like you you only have a couple of these and like you can miss. And then there's like no 
ammo refill or at least there there isn't like the last bunker but yeah you can just like fuck yourself and you don't have a way to get more of them i forgot about that part of it oh my god you start the level and it's like yo if you press five you get these crazy bombs you should use that and i was like thanks so i like used them in the beginning of the level got kind of far after a few tries and then it was like okay blow up this bunker and i was like i where's, where's the bombs dude and they're like no and so I had to restart the level, and then that's where I got stuck for so long. I completely forgot about that. That is, it is bullshit. You know, it's interesting thinking about Call of Duty as a series that, um, I mean, I'm sure it was true then as well, but is probably one of these obsessively QA-tested games because yeah. they have the budget to do it of just being like, look, if if something is too much of a hard edge, we're going to cut it off. You know, like ultimately we want players to be able to complete the levels. And this does feel like one of those levels where it's just like, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if they wanted this to be a huge step up in difficulty or if it just did not, was not receiving the same kind of QA or, you know, maybe because of the games, like the really rapid development that these games were under at this point you know if they yeah. just kind of didn't have enough time to do uh the same thing but it's like yeah it this feels like a level that you put in front of a bunch of players and they'd be like yo you need to you need to rework this a little you want a you know fun fact about activision qa what's that I'm, i assume yes. they have multiple offices but one of them is at eden prairie mm-hmm. minnesota home of game hey, Informer. hey. it's where game informers first office was there you go they uh, did it's it. big, big Activision QA office, like seven miles from my house. Just a little fun fact. Uh, yeah, it's a real stinker of a fucking level. I hated it and uh, almost quit the game and watched it on YouTube. But I'm glad I didn't because I did like all the levels after it. Yeah. So the next level is the last Pacific Theater uh, level, and you're assaulting Shuri Castle. Um, this is. Oh, I take it back. I liked all the levels after this one. I didn't like this level either. <laughs> I liked this one. Uh, conceptually in that the idea of assaulting a castle is cool i guess you know i think this is where the peak of my uncomfortableness with the portrayal of the japanese army really reached oh oh boy does it yeah because it's like as we've talked about uh you know they they do take steps to humanize the nazi enemies in some ways uh, at, at the very least baseline that like, hey, these are humans with fears and worries about being shot in the head. And the Japanese are just like, these are savage people from a scary island somewhere and they are monsters and we need to bomb the fucking shit out of them. And it's like, they can be enemies that either have faceless enemies or humanize your enemies. You can't mm-hmm. have one be one way. You can't have the other be the other way. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's like, it's... There's a narrative dissonance between the Nazis and the Japanese here. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and so it's very possible that it has politics that I've forgotten about because it was directed by Clint Eastwood. But but Letters <laughs> from Iwo Jima, yeah. you know, is is a movie that is, you know... I, it, it, sorry, I'm, I'm going to Google this because it's been, you know, it's been long enough since I've seen it. But it's like, it is, it is largely from a Japanese perspective and it's you know it is showing the kind of like hell that fighting for them was also you know and it's like a lot of the characters are Japanese 
and you know you're seeing the same kind of tactics as as you see here but the movie's able to afford them a level of humanity that this game just seems uh, completely uninterested in okay so like this is a weird thing and like we're not gonna have the answer because we did not work on this game or write this game but it's like uh, humanizing nazis is certainly a choice mm-hmm. but like why do you think they did that and then not the japanese like what do you think the decision was there to be like we're gonna humanize one set of enemies even at the most bare minimum but not give it to the other side i mean i think i think that it is uh largely a function of uh tactics that they mm. wanted they wanted the japanese to feel like this this kind of like uh unpredictable and surprising enemy who would you know abandon the, any any kind of like preservation of life to run at you and try and kill you and i think yeah. they like you know they they wanted they wanted the vibe of the levels to be like is isn't it scary to be fighting an enemy that seems to have no self-preservation you know that is that is willing to give up everything and i think they are partially correct in that fighting that it is scary but but it comes at the cost of like when when the game doesn't go into like hey why don't they have any preservation instinct and it doesn't it doesn't even pretend to be interested in that question then it just seems like it's it, it, you're fighting an army of like lunatics you know like it it just doesn't kind of like it it doesn't it doesn't give them enough context to make that seem like a human behavior and not just like a wild animal thing did you know that world at war was banned in japan for gory violence against japanese soldiers it should be noted that the ban was quickly lifted according to uh tvtropes.org oh weird yeah. I mean, anyway, this level, um, this is, this is the level where I don't think we need to, you know, talk through the beats of it, except for kind of what happens at the end, because this is the part where, that you mentioned, where the Americans kind of get, uh, mad in, in the same way. Yeah, I mean, like, you just bomb the fucking ever-loving shit out of them, and the idea is that, like, the Americans have been here after the Peleliu mission, longer than they were promised you know they had to do another month on this trip through the pacific like and they are just so over it like dudes are sick your your general Kiefer sutherland is murdered your sergeant i guess yeah well and i mean do you and do you remember like how because that's another yeah well like, you can big point you confront two enemies and one pulls a grenade and just blows up your sergeant. but they're they're like you know you're like hey they're surrendering they're surrendering yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and then it turns out that it is a ruse and they blow themselves up. But it is, again, it's very much a contrast to the Soviets who uh, you have been killing, essentially surrendering soldiers for, for much of the game. And in here, it's like the American attempt to take them prisoner or whatever backfires and is then your impetus to be like, all right, n- no mercy, you know, yeah. like that there's there's no point in reasoning with them. Which is also the the tact taken for why America dropped the bombs. Yeah, you know, was was that uh, they will never give up, and there's no point even trying. Which um, I I won't get into this, but there's a there's a very good and very long video by the YouTuber Sean about the kind of like that this narrative of dropping the bombs 
is not an accurate one, you yeah. know, and that that it seemed like there were many paths forward that were not nuking. But I think, you know, Cod is basically taking the perspective here, like there there is just there is no hope of diplomacy and so the only thing you can do is uh fight can i tell a story about call of duty blake hester and the great island nation of japan <laughs> please do it's, it's this i just am never gonna have another point to tell this story on this podcast but i think it's funny um in 2019 i went to japan for 13 days with my parents it was a wonderful trip a lifelong dream to visit japan as many people have and, you know, we it took us like 20 hours of travel to get there. We got there super late, got late, got lost trying to find our first hotel, like just so late. I remember we get in the hotel just exhausted and I lay there and I'm like, well, you know, before I fall asleep, I'll just turn on TV just to see what that's like. You know, the very first thing I see in Japan, this is like my first time out of the country outside of going to Tijuana for an hour one time. I turn on the TV and I see a trailer for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. <laughs> and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Of all the American games you could advertise right now, this is the first thing I see in a different country. Um, it's very funny. It's actually, their targeted advertising is so sophisticated. They recognized <laughs> you as a games yeah. writer. And they were just like, hey, we know what to show him. It was, it was interesting, though. It was like a live action trailer that just like... <laughs> Would not have played. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like not something you would see in America if we did a live action Call of Duty That's trailer these days, where it would just feel like Black Hawk Down. Like it, it felt very different, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, well, because remember there was that whole sequence of uh, live Call of Duty trailers that were like celebrities, where it was like Jonah yeah, Hill and yeah, yeah, yeah. and like uh, you know just kind of people you wouldn't expect. It was like yeah. oh, it's. You know, Brie Larson is playing Call of Duty or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so then, you know, remember last in the in the Modern Warfare thing, I talked about the movie Zulu about how it's mm. like you know, kind of British colonialists defending themselves from like a million just Africans running at yeah. them. Uh, this was even more that where after like while you are essentially waiting for your air support to come in at the end of this level. It is just this charge of what seem like hundreds of people just running at you. And it both sucks to play, and it is, I think, the the kind of peak of this game's just, like, you know, it feels, it feels like a zombie game. Because they're just running at you. You know, they're barely taking yeah. cover. And it's, it's like, you know, I just, I just don't think that they earned their... Uh, their coded barbarism of this enemy, if that makes yeah. sense. I also don't think it's coded by the end because I heard one of the one of my friendly characters call them like literally monsters or barbarians or savages. Oh or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it, I remember that too. I mean, it's mask off at this point. There's uh, you know, when uh, when I was in college and and studying uh, race stuff, it's like the word savage is such a like ding 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 word where it's like you know. That word, uh, virtually always racially coded. You know, it's like no yeah. no one calls someone else a savage if it's like, oh, another like white guy like me who went on a killing spree. It's like they're not the ones who are savages. <laughs> All right, but at the end of that level, we get to kind of the two part finale, which I mm -hmm. think is also best two missions of the game. Probably, I mean, yeah, I mean most most interesting. Feels the most 
modern Call of Duty as well. Like they're just like they feel like triple A levels. Like they're wild. Oh oh boy, do they? Yeah. So so this is essentially it's it's just a linear sequence. You are playing uh, once again as the Soviets, and you are storming the Reichstag, the, mm-hmm. the heart of Nazi Germany. Um, and and this is, I mean, amongst other things, just the the most destroyed city. I mean, just just like annihilated in a way that even even now seeing is like pretty impressive did that actually happen did like was that city that fucked in real life it's berlin right i have i have to assume yes oh yeah god i'm looking at pictures like holy shit yeah yeah yeah. okay um there there's an interesting point that uh that face full of eyes makes in the video we were talking about last episode um about talking it's like hey hitler's body in a bunker is like two miles from where you are now you know and it's like he is dead by that point you know because this is this is just like the last last gasp um but you are you are you are just kind of smashing your way through they give you um in these last couple levels essentially the most modern feeling gun which is like an smg that has like a hundred round uh clip whatever Mm -hmm. like and so it you know the the pace of much of the combat is so slow because you're using like bolt action rifles yeah and in this you are kind of running and gunning in a way that has not really been possible through a lot of the rest of the game um the germans that you're finding are like in like bombed out kitchens that you're they're using as communication outposts it's like they look fucked they are all completely like bandaged up and horrible looking yeah you, you you're fighting a losing army effectively mm-hmm. like there's there's really i mean there's a lot of enemies because it's the final mission of a video game but like there are no preconceptions that like you're trying to, still trying to win it's basically like we've won let's just kill everyone now which statement in and of itself if you ask me yeah um there's that part well so there's the part that you mentioned where you get to a place where there are like four dudes standing in kind of the the well of like a subway entrance um and and it's you know they're surrendering and there are a bunch of other people and i have to say uh i threw a molotov at them i i cast the first stone (laughs) i didn't i had to fight my you know base instinct which is to kill nazis but i was curious to see what would happen so i didn't um Mm -hmm. And it just and one of your someone other else dudes, does. Yeah, throws throws a Molotov on him, and uh, the Reznov is like, "Yeah, you shouldn't have waited." I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's that." And then you fight through the the metro, which is kind of cool. You fight through the metro. I mean, honestly, I I think there are a couple underground places in the previous uh, missions as well that are like scary in a yeah. in a way. You know, like they're basically crawling through the like really small trenches and kind of like tunnels that like i think the japanese have dug uh mm-hmm. is like scary and this is another thing where it's like you can hear the city just being bombed to shit above you and you're in the subway and then at some point there's like water that breaks through and so there's like a big flood in a subway tunnel which personally is not something that i would like to experience <laughs> there, there is a funny thing in this level where the lights keep going off and you know everyone's like oh my god 
don't move. The, we got to wait. We can't see them. And it's like the game actually isn't dark enough. You could just see everyone just as fine. Yeah. So I, was, I was like, shut up, shut up. I'm, I'm just going to run through this fucking level like um, Doom Man. And then, and then you get into the Reichstag. You fight up the steps and then you get into it. And um, another thing that it's like, I guess it's an obvious move, but I did really like is just they are playing kind of Nazi propaganda, like big music out of radios and so these levels are essentially like diegetically scored very operatically because it's like hey that that music it you know it is built to pull on emotions and it does um and so like going into the center of the reichstag which is this just enormous building just like the biggest kind of space and you know this is again a real thing that you can look at pictures of um and having this music going and everything is is like a pretty crazy feeling and just feeling like you as the soviets are this like wave that is crashing over the the remaining army you shoot the giant eagle off the back of it with the rocket launcher too which uh-huh. is very fun uh this this what would you call it? A, a theater room mm-hmm. whatever this room is uh the i really auditorium. like you can go yeah you can go up on the second or third floor and there's a really powerful sniper up there with tons of ammo and i just was up there for like 15 minutes just sniping dudes it felt so fucking good it's kind of this was a a section where, again, I was unclear. I was like, are they going to stop coming at some point? Like, am <laughs> yeah. I just killing, like, infinitely respawning oh, enemies? I had that issue immediately outside this building on the stairs. Yeah. Like, it took mm-hmm. for fucking ever for me to finally get past that. Yeah. Um, but eventually you do, you get up to the second floor. You see, like, a huge chandelier crash through the building. Uh, and then you get you get on top. Uh, you you know reznov reznov has said to you several times like your character who has virtually no characterization um he's like hey as long as you live like our our spirit is alive or whatever yeah um and so then you get you get on top of this roof and you're carrying the flag to plant it and um and there's like one dude remaining and he shoots you uh, and and Reznov then runs up and kills him, but you are still alive enough to like plant the flag. And this is like, what did you make of of that moment? Because I kind of didn't know how to specifically being shot. I like I kind of didn't know how to feel. I, I hate to admit this. I don't think I really thought too deeply about it. You know, it's just like it felt like drama at the end that wasn't necessarily needed. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. maybe there's a wider statement to it, but it's just like, also part of me is like, I don't know, I could have just planted the flag and the game could have been over. I'm not sure I needed this like whole dramatic moment of death, you know? Yeah, I guess, you know, it's like, I, because you don't die, like you don't, you don't yeah. like see him die. And so right, it right, feels right. either that it is like a statement about resilience or it is kind of a you know, a metaphor for how deeply wounded, because it's like, hey, a whole lot of Soviets died in World War Two. you know, like, they're, them washing over Berlin like a wave only happened after millions of people died. Um, yeah. And so, you know, maybe it's uh, signifying that, you know, but it was, it was weird for Reznov to be like, hey, as long as you're alive, 
we're our heart is alive and then immediately just like bam you, you get you get shot like it felt like yeah. it was saying something but i wasn't quite I, I i didn't quite know but anyway then you you plant the soviet flag as we talked about it is this interesting kind of mixed moment of haha victory the nazis are going away but also uh-oh didn't i learn in history class that we fought these guys for like 60 years yeah um and if you're in the generation below us, aren't we about to fight these guys for another 60 years right now? <laughs> uh, uh, this this appears to be a, an illusion or homage to a real photograph uh, raising a flag over the Reichstag, which was taken by the photographer. Oh... Taken by a photographer whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But uh, if you just Google raising the flag over Reichstag, you can see what this level, the end of this level, is a kind of a paying tribute to this famous World War II photo from the end of the siege of Berlin or whatever. Siege of the Reichstag. Um, you know, and, and as we talked about, I think the end of this game is just interesting for yeah. a couple reasons. I think it's interesting that the last mission is not one where, where you're playing as the Americans. Sure. You know, like the American victory came before this um uh, the the last lines being 60 million people died in this war and then it's just like call of duty world at war um yeah. you know it's a uh, it, it is it is certainly ending kind of melancholy in a way that cod 4 arguably does but modern warfare certainly does not black ops does not you know all, yeah. all of these like you know they're the, the COD games are usually like, hey, you know the great sacrifice you made? Here's what you get for it. And this one yeah. is not is not as decisive on that. I agree. I, I, I agree. I also like think just it, it's a triple A game and it's never going to take it as far as I want. So beyond just like that flash on screen and the like acknowledgement of the fact all this shit was really terrible. I just think it's like. I think it just, like I said earlier, washes its hands of it by the end. You know, it's like, all right, yeah. and here's the credits. So, I, I that that said, I think this is one of the most interesting Call of Duty games I have played. Like, I would rather talk about this one than basically any other Call of Duty I've gone through. Blake, I have to, um, I have to look something up because apparently there is something that happens at the end of the credits. <sighs> Death by post credit stinger. It's only 30 seconds long. I'm watching okay. it now. Oh, it's it is the Nazi zombies intro oh. because I, I think originally Nazi zombies was an unlockable mode where you had to beat the yeah. campaign to play it. And then now oh, okay. it's you can just play it. I want to end this by telling a short story that I have about playing this game's multiplayer when I was a, uh, a youth. Yep. During uh, my first COD was Modern Warfare 2. I was obsessed <laughs> with getting a nuke a 25 kill streak uh, and and yeah. you get the nuke and it just ends the game and you win um the uh but I could never do it I got you know my my maximum kill streak that I got with the nuke equipped was like 21 or something I could just never pull it off um in in world at war when you start the multiplayer for your first 5 levels they essentially put you in like a baby lobby of other people who were only in the first five levels. And I had been playing so much Call of Duty that when I just like decided to play World at War for a little bit, I started playing the multiplayer. And the first match I played, I got like a 34 kill streak. 
And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I have been trying to do this in Modern Warfare 2 for months. Yeah. And just like my first game at World at War, a game that does not have a tactical nuke that you can call in. Uh, and and I just like, that is weirdly up until now, because I didn't never finish the campaign. That was like my predominant memory of World at War. That's hilarious. Call of Duty, summing it up. I have two questions. Yes. One, will you sum up your thoughts on these two games for me? B, two, second question, a series will revisit for something run? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, look, genuinely something that I've been thinking about a lot. I Black Ops seems like a game exactly. we should maybe play. And then I'm not sure what the other one would be i know i beat black ops 2 i didn't beat black ops 3 and then 4 does not have a campaign i'm pretty sure yeah i mean we could do modern warfare 2 because of no russian but like i've also feel like i said my piece on no russian five years ago you know yeah like i don't i would i would rather almost do like i don't know cod 2 and then black mm, ops or like yeah. something I, we, we would need to figure it out people say advanced warfare is actually like a good one uh but i i didn't or no no no, not advanced warfare infinite the one where they're in space infinite, infinite warfare yeah, yeah yeah yeah. but on the other hand if we've learned anything doing something wrong we're not interested in a game being good <laughs> that's, that's true um my thoughts on call of duty i think um as i said in the end of the cod 4 one I think that these two games are really interesting because there is kind of a a some a, a a direction you could have you could see that the series could have gone yeah. by looking at these two games that it did not. You know, like if if every game made kind of efforts to be as thematically interesting as COD 4 and World at War, both of which are games that that stumble a lot on their way to whatever theme they're maybe trying to do, but like are making an effort. I, I think that the series would just be more interesting. And instead, yeah. you know, the, the themes of the games have become uh, more and more consistently, as you've said a million times, get our hands dirty to keep the world clean, which is, just just something that i'm not interested in playing a game about anymore um and so i you know i'm glad that we played these and i do think that they are the identity is not fully formed yet and so sure. what these games are able to do just feels a little outside what the series being so kind of well understood is now able to do i think here's where i land on it I think I hate Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll also play 100 hours of every new Call of Duty multiplayer because I love Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. And uh, But more to the point, um, I think, and this, this is something that just popped into my brain. I haven't thought much about it, but I do feel it in this moment. I think Call of Duty, every Call of Duty probably, is deserving of this level of analysis and criticism, if only because of the footprint they have on the game industry and right. you know who helps fund them who what they are about and their place in american pop culture and i think that this is a much larger topic i think they can show the importance of i don't know you want to put it the, uh, the 
criticism, uh, like uh, intellectual criticism of video games. Because I think, you know, I don't think our podcast where we said it was fucked up when you did this thing in your game is going to even reach anyone that works on these games. But I do think there is a value in holding these games, taking these games to task and talking about them beyond like Warzone, yeah. you know, which is like one of my favorite games of all time. And I think doing this series, which is the most I've ever thought about Call of Duty in the last <laughs> three weeks, just like shows that it's like, I think the more of these things that come out, I've noticed the game's press and the like uh, criticism landscape has kind of wanted to wash their hands of engaging with them. And I think that's actually, I think that's a mistake. And we should be like, every year I think we should, you know, when a new COD comes out, we should be giving it like really putting it under the fucking microscope and be like, what's going on here? I, I totally agree. And I mean, I think, you know, it is, it is easy. And we've been, I mean, I, was guilty of it just minutes ago of kind of saying, well, they're all the same, you know, after a certain point or whatever. But that is not yeah. actually true. You know, the games do kind of, they they have different things, even if I think they're all kind of going in the same direction. But also it's just like, yeah, you know, for, for the same reason that we should be writing about like Fortnite and Roblox is like, these things are shaping the culture and you can either mm-hmm. let them do that uncriticized or you can try and figure it out and even if you won't stop it you will give other people who are interested in 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 understanding the forces that shape the culture something to hold on to so it doesn't just feel like this alien unknowable force that billions of yeah. people play and i think like you know i think fortnite is so deserving of like this level of or just like that level of criticism or analysis because of the way it shapes like commercialized pop culture and i think mm-hmm. that is largely evil in a lot of ways i also think it's very fascinating in a lot of ways and i we think do the like way the this... game we play fortnite all and, the time <laughs> and i also hate fortnite you know i also <laughs> think it's largely evil these things are not mutually exclusive i think like call of duty is in this like weird league where it's like there are cases of it shaping the if not political landscape, like the ways the military, <laughs> the military machine operates and how it recruits these days and mm-hmm. how it, you know, brings youth in and, and how terrible that is across the board. I'm not, there's, I, there's, I have yet to see any evidence that Call of Duty as a rec- recruitment tool is good for the fabric of our nation or any other, you know, war machine. But like, right. I think like, so the, so the more, colleagues of mine or even myself or peers have been like that's another fucking call of duty whatever i think that's actually a mistake and we should we should be taking these games to task every single time and praising them where necessary sure you know we had lots of good to say about at least this one i don't remember saying much good about the last one um but definitely like being like hey what what does this mean as the series goes on and our relationship with the series goes on is just like fucking video yeah. game history goes on. Like, I, I think we should be paying closer attention the way we used to with these games. That's it. That's what I think. But what do what do you, the listener, think? Uh, please write in at somethingrottenpodcast at gmail.com so we can answer your questions and thoughts on this particularly. Because I think that so much of these games' reputation is bound up in when people played them and both of us came to these campaigns pretty late uh and so i would really like to hear from people who played 
COD 4 or World at War when they came out, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of what their feelings were about them. Um, Or, you know, anything else. We'll do a Q&A like always, and I would uh, love to hear about it. And by God, listener, you need to go to nebula.tv slash something rotten, sign up for a Nebula subscription so you can get our bonus ad-free early episodes and all that. But the bonus pod for this one is going to be a barn burner. I can already tell you, Jacob. I can't wait. I've got some heavy hitters I'm bringing, and you can only hear that if you're a Nebula subscriber, which does cost money. But, you know, you get access to all Jacob's videos. You get access to all our stuff. You get access to that cool road trip series that Nebula is doing. What's that thing called? Oh, um, what? Uh, uh... Fuck, jet lag. Yeah, you get access to that. That looks really cool. Doesn't Philosophy Tube have like a, a play? Oh, yeah. On he- on Nebula right now? Like, sign up for that shit. Also, you're going to get to hear me pitch Jacob on a Yakuza movie <laughs> and tie it into World War II. Let's go. All right. Well, for Blake Hester, uh, my name is Jacob Geller. Uh, we are the Call of Duty scholars, and we will be <laughs> back soon. I don't know if that's true. Look, I think I think now we've probably <laughs> devoted more words to these game stories than most other people who've played them. Uh, that's just because it's a podcast, though. <laughs> you know, it's right. a weird numbers game. Bye. Bye.